Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in a series we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? This series, we're way into it. This is part 20. I do long series. Um, I have a lot to say, but I have to do it in little chunks. Uh, this series is all about an encounter that Jesus has. Uh, it's what kicked off this series. Uh, that Jesus has with a man at the pool of Bethesda. This man's very sick. He's not well. And uh, he's been in a bad way for a long time. And yet he's kind of got stuck in that way. And it's almost become normal. Um, sometimes a bad situation, if you're in it long enough, seems familiar. And it, and, um, it, it almost de- begins to define you. And Jesus' question really just speaks into that. Do you want to get well? And I've said that the question is, is a deep question that we, we should be asking about every area of our lives. Do we really want to get well? Do we want to live God's way or do we want to live our way? When we choose to live our way by default, we're, we're, we're choosing to live the way of our enemy, uh, our adversary. And, and that's the battle that, that exists. The, the enemy wants to steal our life from us. And so we're, we're in a battle with him. The world's in a battle with him. Jesus has made a way for us to have life. And, uh, and so if we'll, if we'll choose to follow him and, and live by doing the next right thing, he helps us to experience a, a full and abundant now and forever life. And the enemy was, was virtually um, rendered powerless at the cross, but he still has uh, in his toolbox uh, until Jesus comes back again the tools of, of lying and, and tricking and deceiving and uh, in an attempt to steal life away that's available and possible to people who put their hope, their faith, their trust in Jesus. And so, so this is the, the thing that's going on around us. And we've been talking about it in a lot of areas. Uh, being aware of the tricks and the traps, um, the importance of connecting with God in prayer and, and, and a way to do that has been part of this series. And, and now um, what we're talking about is the importance of having said yes to the question, do you want to get well? Um, then uh, as people who have been encouraged by Jesus to experience life, that, that we need to um, follow his lead in that and encourage others as well. So, so these last few weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like to encourage well. Um, encouraging well is what we're studying. And we, we've, we've seen how with Jesus, the, this, uh, this encouraging well that he does with people um, changes their lives. And that's why encouraging is such an important ministry that the church needs to take back um, it's, it's always been our ministry. We'll, we'll look at that more um, in the, in the uh, weeks ahead, and we'll, we'll talk about Barnabas, the son of encouragement, who, who there in the new church demonstrated um, so wonderfully what encouragement looked like, because yeah, he was modeling, he was being, saw what Jesus did, or understood what Jesus did, and moved into that. And so um, we are, we're looking at, at Jesus' ministry and seeing how he's encouraged people so we can learn how to encourage others as well in order that they might experience the changed life that we've experienced in Christ. So, so far we looked at the way that Jesus encouraged the tax collector, Matthew, um, a failure in, in Peter after he had just really messed up bad there at the end. And, um, and last week we talked about the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus encouraged and ministered to her and how their lives were transformed by this interaction with Jesus. And so we're going to dig deeper today uh, in this whole thought. Uh, of encouraging well and do you want to get well and what that looks like but before you do I just had a little thought and and uh, while I was running um, I was actually running and and I had the, here's the thought just to, you know it's all about doing the next right thing um, what should you do 
when you see an endangered animal eating an endangered plant? I don't have an answer for you. I just... Uh, It's just one of those deep thoughts. What do you do? (laughs) It was either that or I had had another deep thought too. Um, If it was only a three-hour cruise, why did Mrs. Howell have so many clothes with her? But, But I'm not right, so... And that only works for people that understand Gilligan's Island, so I'm cutting out a big chunk of the group. See, nothing. Gilligan's Island. You never even seen the show? One, one episode of Gilligan's Island. I got in trouble like 15 years, 20 years ago maybe now. I had this this dear dear saint in the church, and and uh, I'm, I was I was silly back then too, and I I said that um, Amazing Grace is one of those songs you can sing virtually to anything, and I sang it like this, and she didn't find it humorous, but I did. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. <laughs> and again, that's another Gilligan's Island reference. So uh, it's just missing big chunks of the audience. Okay, no problem. Scripture reading. This will get everybody. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. I actually touched on this last week, um, but I wanted to read it again. It's about encouragement. The word comfort, as it's translated here in the NIV, is, is the exact same word for encouragement, so I'll be reading the, that form of it as we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all encouragement, who encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage those in any trouble with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, so far in this little last few weeks, um, we defined encourage as putting courage into someone. Encouraging well is about putting courage into people to trust and obey God because he loves them. To put courage into people to choose to say yes to the question, do you want to get well? And follow after God. That's what this all is all about. Encouraging well is just that. That it, 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 it helps people put their courage in God so they can say yes to the question. Do you want to get well? Because he loves them and he wants them to experience full and abundant now and forever life. And this, this ministry, if you would, of encouraging well, modeled to us by Jesus. And, and it's something that we're all supposed to be doing. That's what that verse I just read to you says. From 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3, and 4. Something all of us should be doing, encouraging others with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. And so um, we've looked over the last couple of weeks at a few encounters um, that Jesus had where he encourages well. And, and in those encounters, I'm always fascinated by the way Jesus sees people. I love the way Jesus sees people. So we've been talking about that. He, he sees past their sin, past their labels, And he sees the beauty of their potential. And he does that because he loves people so much. I touched on this last week. He loves people so much. He loves sinners so much that he willingly allowed himself to be humiliated and beaten and nailed to a cross to the point of death. He died so that he could defeat death, rise again, and make it possible for people to have life in relationship with God. That's how much Jesus loves people. So when he sees people, he just doesn't, he just doesn't see 
their labels and their, their sin and their mess. Again, never, never hear me say that sin is not a big deal. Sin is a huge deal. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. It's, a, it's, a, it's horrendous. It, it, it destroys life and, and it, it ruined our relationship with God. But Jesus has come and made a way for us to have it restored and to be set free so that we don't have to continue in sin. We still will choose sometimes because we, we haven't got it all figured out yet, but we're no longer without option. And, and that's because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so um, he wants us to learn to encourage well as a church. See, if, if we're not encouraging well, we won't be able to fulfill the mission we have, which is to help, our mission is to help one lost child back to dad. That's it, just one more. We talk about that all the time. But if we're not encouragers, we just won't bring people in. We'll get stuck in this whole other part where we don't see past their sin and, and uh, we become ineffective in the world around us. And so, so that's why this is so important to get this. We've been encouraged. We were a mess, a broken mess, choosing Christ, still working through the process, but now encouraging others on the journey. One of the things that will keep us from encouraging well is, and, and this is the first point in your notes, is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. And I want to look at another encounter that Jesus has. This is with somebody you, you, you probably would have heard of. This is with the Apostle Paul. Uh, and he's going to encounter Paul. Now this is actually post-resurrection. Um, when this encounter happens, it's, it's all the way up into Acts chapter 9. The, um, the early church uh, is, has started, is underway um, by the apostles. They've started the church and... and uh, um, they've been involved in, in um, the church growing there in Jerusalem. And, uh, and yet it's uh, not received very well by the established religious community of the day. Um, sort of heralded by the Apostle Paul who was zealous um, in his uh, Judaistic fervor. And, and he was out trying to stop the church from ever taking hold and taking root. Um, ultimately pitting himself up against what God was doing and yet thinking um, because of his spiritual blindness that he was actually doing what God would want and see that's where the that's a wonderful it, it's just a wonderful example of the struggle that the established religious community the church faces today we sometimes lose sight of this amazing love Jesus had and we get spiritually blind to the reality of what we need to be doing as a church, which is encouraging others to say yes to Jesus so they can find life and be freed from their sin, not judging them for the sin that they're stuck in. And that's where the, the, the disconnect happens so often with the established religious community. So uh, in Acts chapter 9, there's actually quite a big chunk of scripture I want to read to you. It's 18 verses. So you, you get the encounter. You see what happens um, with what's going on. And, and uh, this encounter that Jesus has with Paul um, and again, this is after the crucifixion and resurrection has been going on. The church has been started. The Holy Spirit's already come. And Jesus is going to encounter Paul. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, that's, that's Paul, but they called him Saul back then. He'll change his name later on. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming Uh, Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all those who call on your name. He was sort of, you get what Ananias was saying? Yeah, Lord, not me. (laughs) That guy's crazy. The Lord says this, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. So, Here we have this encounter um, with Jesus. Paul has this encounter with Jesus. I like that it's a post-resurrection encounter because Jesus still has encounters with people. How about that? He does it today, too. I I know that's how I got in. He encountered me. That's how you got in. You encountered him, too, in one way or another. And he encounters Paul on this journey that Paul was taking to persecute the church of Jesus. And, and, uh, And so Paul was so trapped in his legalistic zeal, that um, he saw everything through that filter. That's all he had. So he had a lot of credentials um, in the established religious community and great fervor and great passion, but it was misdirected because he was, he was missing the heart of God and what really mattered. And, and so um, what he had become was spiritually blind. And in this encounter, what happens is that he's rendered temporarily physically blind as well. And I think it's all part of the Lord's plan to get him to stop and get a clue. It's the Lord saying, okay, that's what it looks like physically, but you're already spiritually blind. It's not a whole lot of difference, but you're going to get it now as you stop and kind of think about what's going on in life. And so when his eyes in, in prayer are reopened physically, he saw everything in a brand new way. See, he's also able to see spiritually now the reality of what's going on, he could see the way that Jesus sees things. Second Corinthians 5, 14 through 17, this is out of the message paraphrase. I love this. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside 
And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. See, we're, we're no longer to look at things from our own narrow, selfish perspective. But we're to look at everything as illuminated by the light of the world. Paul was taken by a light flashing from heaven. It, it, it made it so he couldn't see temporarily. But it was just a bigger picture because he, be, he wasn't looking at life through the eyes of Jesus. He was stuck. And Jesus encounters him. He says, Paul, you need to change. And now when Paul can see again, I love that he says, you know, everything is about this love that God has for us. And, and from this focus center that somebody died for us, one died for us so that we all might live. And that's the heart of what we're to tell people as the church. That's the heart of the mission that we have. It's the heart of the ministry that we have. It's to, it's to see people to, like Jesus did so that we can love them like he did and, and, and point them to the truth. But those things have to happen together. And so that's why all this is so important. Um, point number two, with that sort of thought in mind, what is that speck? What is that speck? Matthew 7, 1 through 5. This is the, from the tax collector, his, his account of, of hanging out with Jesus. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Jesus' words, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, here's the deal. Here's what I love about that, that passage of scripture. Um, when, when we sort of figure this out and we start seeing the way that Jesus did and we remember who we are and, and how we've come to know Jesus and, and how he's worked in our life and continues to work in our life, that none of us has arrived, that, that um, we all have issues, and we may now have somebody else's issues, but, but just because they have an issue that we don't doesn't give us the, the right to judge them and to act superior to them and to hate them because we would never do that sin. Um, uh, what, what we need to understand in this reality is, is what Jesus is telling us here is, is this, that, that when we're honest and when, when we're actively cooperating with the Holy Spirit in our own lives regarding our own plank removal process. And do you get that? You got a plank? What you can see is a speck in somebody else. You got a plank in your eye. When, when we're actively involved with the Holy Spirit in this plank removal process, the reality is, um, in comparison to a speck, our plank is this huge lifelong process that we go through in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It's a big enough job that when you're engaged in it correctly, you just don't have time for spec patrol. It just doesn't exist. You, should, you, don't, have the, you don't have the time to start looking at the specs in other people's eyes. And the, the, the whole thing is set up so you couldn't see it anyway. The, the spec is blinding you. And, and, or the, the plank is blinding you. And you just can't reach up there and yank that whole plank out. It doesn't come out that way. The Holy Spirit helps you in the process and begins the, the process of, of working on your issues 
issue after issue after issue after issue. And, and, and sort of in layers as it comes out. And, you know, certainly, hopefully, along in your journey, they become different and less, and, and you're going to see victories, and, 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 and you know, um, there's, there's movement and progress. But, but this process of sanctification is the fancy word for that. Is it, ha- it, it stays ongoing until Jesus and, and you connect again, um, whether he comes to get you or we go to get him, whatever it is. But, but this process of sanctification is ongoing in our lives. And when we're engaged in it, it should eliminate... Spec patrol. It just it should just absolutely eliminate it. And yet we sort of we sort of get the, the first chunks off of that plank and then we start thinking, Well, I'm good now and uh, we miss the point. And for whatever reason we move away from from this whole idea of loving God and loving people, which is the most important stuff, if I remember rightly, when Jesus asked what's the most important thing, love God, love others, love your neighbors, yourself. We move out of that and think, well, I've got to earn this thing, got to perform. And, and we move into this hard spot where there's no life. And so um, we have to be aware because we're, we're constantly sort of impacted by our own culture to be constantly looking for the bad in things. And so we're quick to find flaws and faults in people, which causes us to become very judgmental. And if, you're, if, you're, if you would just kind of take an honest inventory yourself, we all have a tendency to do that. We meet somebody and we sort of, uh, we immediately start nitpicking things in them. And, and uh, we, we make decisions primarily based on, on first impressions and, and physical appearance. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, have you ever wondered how many people... Um, that, that might have really blessed your life or been able to impart something to you that, that might even been a, a, a serious God thing that you've just missed because you, you dismiss them as having nothing to offer you. I, I wonder how often we miss it because we get in this place um, where we, we, we just sort of judge on the surface without seeking the Lord without asking God what's going on and, and, and what we're supposed to be doing. And, and you know, what if Jesus hadn't been encouraging well and seeing the beauty of potential and in the encounters we've seen with Matthew, a tax collector written off by, by the religious community, or, or Peter, a fisherman who, who you know, blew it, or, 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 or Paul, this, this zealous who was out persecuting the church. What if, what if, what if Jesus hadn't, hadn't encountered them and dealt with them according to the beauty of their potential. Think of the impact they've had on, on the church and, and on us today because of who they were in Christ. So we need to see with God's eyes. Part of encouraging well, three, is, is, is asking him to help us see with his eyes. First Samuel sixteen seven. the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's how God sees people. That's why Jesus did it that way. That's what he did. We need to be different than our culture. We always need to be looking for the good in people and situations. We need to look beneath the surface, not stopping with superficial judgment. Consider the whole person. Why is somebody angry or grumpy or hard to be around? Oftentimes the issue is sometimes, you know, deep within them. And they use the whole angry, grumpy sort of facade to keep people from, from ever sort of moving past those things. Because they, they don't want to be hurt anymore. And so they just put up this wall. 
You know, I'm not suggesting that you, you let mean, grumpy people walk all over you by any stretch of the imagination. I'm saying that instead of just, you know, immediately writing them off, the best thing that we can always do is, is pray. You should be praying for those people, not just going on with But begin to pray. Look for ways to encourage them well, as well. Because that's what they need from us. People who have been encouraged need to encourage the discouraged. Because that's what God models to us. That's what Jesus did that's what we need to do. And so just ask God to help you um, in those areas. Because see, if, if, if as the church we don't, we don't connect with this, we'll, we won't be able to be effective in our mission, which is why we're here. And so it has to start with that. God, help us to, to see like you do, to love like you do, to care like you do, to get our priorities right. It's all about loving you, loving others well. So Lord, help us to encourage well, so that we can make a difference. Well, that's it for today. If you're watching by uh, television or video, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. We know how valuable your time is, and, and thank you for spending it with us. If you need prayer, go to our website, and uh, there's a prayer um, page there you can, you can fill out, and we'll certainly be praying for you, or you can call us at that number, and we'll pray for you that way. And if you're in Big Pine at any point, come and see us. We'd love to have you here. Service times and everything are on the website. So we'll see you then, and uh, God bless you.